today is the day that a car mowed down people in the middle of Times Square. So of course we're going to be talking about that. Now, what does this have to do with terrorism, you may ask? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. I'm here to help you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Well, the accident happened just a couple of hours ago, actually. And um, before, before the hour was up, but right away, we had all kinds of authorities, the police, the mayor, um, everyone who could get to a uh, reporter talking about how this is not terrorism. Somehow they had a crystal ball and they knew it wasn't terrorism. Well, you know, yes, it could be other things. Uh, it could be an accident, just a car accident, right? It could be um, a man who, uh, had, with a twisted mind, who did plot to kill people, but not because of being a terrorist. And then it could be really a terror attack, especially since we just had, and in fact, I tweeted about this on May 15th, a few days ago, about, uh, my tweet was, Hamza bin Laden, the son of Osama bin Laden, um, he made a video. And it not only calls for attacks, but it shows ISIS that he'll not go gentle into that dark night. Obviously, I'm filling in the words here. They all didn't fit in a tweet. Um, but this was the gist of it. And then I wrote, terrorists are competing to kill us. So in other words, just a few days ago, when he had this video, he talked about actually how you don't have to have a complicated bomb or learn how to make bombs. You can do it with... Uh, things that you have at hand, like knives and like cars. And we've been seeing an increase in these kinds of attacks over the past year, where it's not people who um, have to learn the complicated recipes for making a bomb. They can just take their truck, as in Berlin, or a car, or another truck in, in Nice, um, or a car in the States, or uh, and certainly knives in many uh, different attacks. So, um, so that, that's three days ago. Now today, May 18th, lo and behold, there's a car accident, right? A car goes up the sidewalk in the middle of Manhattan, um, right in the middle of Times Square. And uh, it goes wrong, the, the wrong way up a street for three and a half blocks. He's been reported, it was reported by bystanders that he didn't attempt to put on the brakes, he just mowed down people. As of right now, there is one person dead and at least 22 people injured. There are varying reports of the numbers of injured. There was one even that said 30 people injured. So <laughs> we won't know that until a little bit later. But, um, you know, of course we need to think about the possibility that it could be terror. And I am very, very angry, as you can tell, at the people who um, are rushed to judgment to say that it isn't terror, when really they had very little information. Now, I'm going to be telling you all about the man. We know who it was, the driver, and there is some information about him. I'm going to tell you about that. Um, and, um, and then I'll be telling you about why 
it is not a good idea for so-called authorities to be lulling us into a false sense of security by telling us right away before they know squat um, really what it was. I'm sure this man, <laughs> he did not. And I've seen videos, there are videos all over the internet of the man and his capture and even of the crash. Um, and people running and scurrying and terrified and all of that. So um, he did not get out of the car and go over to a policeman and say, hey, this is why I did it. So when they were talking out of their hat, that's what it was, just talking out of their hat. So first let me tell you the story. And, and let me tell you, uh, and I know what you're thinking, that I'm too quick to say everything is a terrorist attack because I am the terrorist therapist. But that's part of what I'm doing here, folks. I'm trying not to lull you into a false sense of security. I am trying to help you get prepared for terror attacks because that's kind of the key. If you're lulled into a false sense of security, you're not going to think that you have to prepare. And I tell you all kinds of ways to prepare physically and psychologically, and it's not about duct tape. But first, I'll tell you about what actually happened. And I do want to say that um, it does, you know, when I saw these pictures, the videos, um, it did strike terror in my heart because I am a born and bred New Yorker. I have been in that area in Times Square or Times Square in general, which is the heart of Manhattan and therefore the heart of New York City. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of times. I especially was spent a lot of time in Times Square because I love theater. That's one of the highlights of what um, New York has, uh, you know, to boast about the pride of New York, this the fabulous theater district. So, so this is very personal to me as well, as well as it being personal uh, that far too often authorities will tell us, even in, in the terror attacks that we've had this past year, um, they try to tell us, which turned out to be terror attacks, they try to tell us, oh no, don't worry about it. This wasn't an attack, it was this, it was that. Now, with this man, um, what they tried to tell us about, and his name is Richard Rojas, um, he, they tried to tell us that, uh, it was, and he was, he had a history of alcohol, arrests for alcoholism, uh, DUIs. And so that was the first thing that they jumped on because he has this history of arrests for DUIs, that that must be what it was. He was drunk. It wasn't a terror attack. He was just drunk. He jumped a sidewalk and, um, he, he started going uh, he did a U-turn and he started going down the block, three and a half blocks, just mowing over pedestrians. So let me tell you about, about this, what actually happened, but what we know so far. So um, the, the suspect who's in custody is named Richard Rojas. He's 26 years old. He's from the Bronx. I was born in the Bronx. <laughs> um, uh, he looked, by the way, a lot older than 26 years old um, in the pictures of him. He's an ex-military veteran with a history of drunk driving. Now, you know, you hear military veteran and you hear uh, some kind of violence or some kind of um, um, outrageous kind of behavior. And of course, we tend to think uh, PTSD and maybe that's a possibility. But the thing is, whether it was alcohol or drugs, 
uh, because there has been a report some by somebody who, I don't know, maybe somebody who was smoking with him. There's been a report that, that he um, smoked pot before this happened. Uh, we don't know that for sure yet. <clears throat> but, but the thing is, um, it's not like it had to be alcohol and or drugs versus terrorism, because certainly a terrorist, you know, somebody who's going to, a lone wolf, who's going to commit a terrorist act, could indeed decide to fortify himself by smoking a joint and or by drinking alcohol. Of course, it has turned out so far. <laughs> I love it. It has turned, I mean, it's a tragedy. And I'm, oh, I'm certainly not laughing at the tragedy. It was an 18-year-old woman who died. Her younger sister was injured. Um, as I said, there were over 20 people injured and four of them were in critical condition. So, you know, any way that you, um, the, the offices on that street were in lockdown, the people on that street were terrified. So there is no way that this is a laughable or good thing. But um, I, I guess what I, it, because I, I think that it's so awful, I, I would like to stop the practice and I would like you to call for a stop to the practice of authorities just telling us like we're little idiots, little kids. Oh, they're there. Don't worry about it. It wasn't terrorism. Because in fact, what happened was that when they got the, um, the man, the Richard Rojas, into custody and they took him to a precinct to test him, they have already now discovered that he had zero, zero alcohol in his system. At least that's what the report read, said that I just read. And, um, and so there goes that theory. And, and that now they're going to be doing the drug test, which will take a little longer. So um, he, he was driving a red 2009 Honda Accord. He mounted the sidewalk on the west side of 7th Avenue and 42nd Street, and then continued at a, he did a U-turn, he continued at a high speed at 45th Street, and then he only stopped. The only thing, reason why he didn't mow down more people, I mean, Times Square at noon is, is you know, flooded with people. Pretty much at any time, but especially there was a lot, they talked about how there was a large crowd at noon, you know, people come, coming out of the office buildings to having uh, lunch in the different restaurants around there and so on. If, if it weren't for an obstacle, a metal uh, obstacle that was in the street that actually um, may have been something that was put there to stop accidents and things, um, he, it collided with this metal obstruction and stopped, the car stopped. And the uh, Richard jumped out of the car. Amazingly, he did not seem injured. And um, there are, there are um, really interesting, um, interesting, fortunately, there were two bystanders who stopped him, um, who, who jumped on him right away and, and they held him there before the police came. So I'll tell you about that, but let me just um, tell you some more about his background. So um, he, he drove down 7th Avenue, he made a U-turn, he drove up for three and a half blocks. Um, he was trying, when he got out of the car, seemingly uninjured, he was trying to run away. That was the first thing that he did. And um, 
he got he these people jumped him now in his in his past he has had um, two previous DUIs. One of them, he was driving 99 miles per hour in a 50 mile per hour zone. He's also had his license suspended multiple times. Um, let me tell you about one, um, one of the things that is, um, that is a positive in this story is about the, the bystanders who, um, who jumped him. I mean, you know, it, it show, yet again shows how tough people in New York are and um, how, you know, they weren't going to let this man get away with anything. There were two bystanders. The first one was named uh, Alpha Baldi. Um, he was a ticket agent for city sightseeing, and he happened to be right there when this happened. And then the second man, bystander, who also attacked the driver uh, when he got out of the car and started running, was a Planet Hollywood bouncer. So um, they grabbed him and held him to the cops took over. Now, um, and they said that we, we saw him, Baldy said, we saw the driver running toward Planet Hollywood in the middle of the block. Um, the planet, the bouncer from Planet Hollywood knocked him out. He knocked him out so bad, you could see the blood coming out of his face. That's when I jumped in. Again, this is Mr. Baldy who's speaking. That's when I jumped in. I grabbed him from his neck, and within one minute, everybody's there, meaning the police. Um, Baldy said he didn't want to take any chances. I, now, this is, this is, you know, while, while we're being told this is uh, not terrorism, at least the bystander was smart enough to uh, think that it might be. He said, I ripped off his shirt. We watch TV all the time. You have to make sure this guy doesn't have anything under his shirt that's going to damage you. So I ripped the shirt to find out no gun, no knife, no belt. Um, and it's interesting. One of the reporters at the scene talked about how the police had them move back further. They kept having them move more and more blocks further. And so clearly, and then there were also other reports about how clearly the, the police were worried about there possibly being a bomb in the car, you know, which would explain why the driver got out and ran away so quickly. Of course, also, he didn't want to be caught by the police. Uh, now, Mr. Baldy said he didn't smell alcohol on Rojas, whereas there were some police who reported that they did smell alcohol. Again, this was all to make us think this was just a DUI. Uh, Mr. Baldy said the driver did not appear to be drunk, so Mr. Baldy was right. Uh, he said the, the driver begged him to ease the grip on his neck. Baldy admitted that he tried to punch the driver, but cops arrived before he got the chance. So this is all, you know, really um, interesting. Like uh, one of the police said that he appeared under the influence, the driver appeared under the influence of drugs or alcohol when they um, reached him. But then he blew a 0, 0.0 when tested for alcohol at the precinct. Uh, they brought his mother in for questioning. And so far, we don't know what the mother said. But his two prior arrests for DUI, one was in Queens in 2008, and one was in Minnesota in 2015. Now, um, 
he also most recently was arrested in May. Just earlier this month, he was arrested on a charge of menacing. Now, I have looked up what menacing means in the New York Penal Code. And um, a person is guilty of menacing in the third degree when by physical menace, he or she intentionally places or attempts to place another person in fear of death imminent serious physical injury or physical injury. In other words, and it's a misdemeanor. In other words, they don't have to um, have attacked, have, have actually caused injury, but just to get the person to be afraid of that. It's a crime that um, involves doing something that puts another person in fear of immediate physical injury. No physical injury is required to be charged with menacing. There are four menacing offenses, first, second, and third degrees, as well as menacing a police officer or a peace officer. So first degree menacing is if you commit the crime of menacing in the second degree, and within the preceding 10 years, you have been previously convicted of the crime of menace, menacing in the second degree. So in other words, if you have previous um, convictions for menacing, uh, then you get up to the first degree. Okay, so let's go back to Richard and this... Uh, and this incident, um, there were people who um, indeed talked about, the, in other words, the people in the street um, talked about how they um, were scared of, you know, of course the first thing that they thought of was terrorism. Um, they, for example, here, uh, bodies were flying, Somebody, one of the people on the street said it was like nothing I'd ever seen. Um, everyone thought it was a terrorist attack and ran into buildings screaming. People were trying to get off the street. He never slowed down. He gunned it right into the people. He looked like he accelerated. There were bodies everywhere flying left and right. Now, you know, that is a typical kind of description of someone who is at the very least purposely trying to mow down others. It doesn't say... Um, necessarily uh, that it's a terrorist, but it certainly is purposeful. So, um, so you know, the, my point is that it's, it's it, while this is going on, these people running for their life in the street, especially in New York, hello, the site of 9-11, and more recently, the, the Chelsea bombing, this is going to bring back uh, PTSD for a lot of people. I mean, what are people going to think, especially, especially in Manhattan? Of course, they're going to think it's a terrorist attack. Now, um, that's, you know, that is the excuse, the main excuse that the authorities use to try to, you know, not have people panic. But it, it, it really um, works against itself. And I will uh, explain why. Um, and then, oh, and then someone else, uh, another person in the street was saying, all of a sudden the car caught on fire. And the police made us get back. Now, what do you think? Witnesses said they were afraid the crash may have been an act of terrorism. One of the cops said we should get back because they didn't know if there was a bomb. I mean, so of course. And the thing is, it is good for people to be concerned about that and to take precautions and to think that they should get away because yes, indeed, just like the, uh, just like the bystander who was one of the two who, Mr. Baldy, who, um, who, you know, attacked the driver and held him there for the police, uh, just like he knew to look under the guy's shirt 
in case there was, you know, a bomb. Maybe he had, I mean, the, the typical suicide bombers with the bombs uh, strapped onto his, onto his chest uh, or his abdomen. You know, when you think about that, and he's even saying this, this um, man, uh, Good Samaritan, was even saying that he uh, thought about this, you know, thought enough to lift up the man's shirt. And yet, even though he knew that, he was brave enough to go after the guy and clobber him and hold him for the police, even though he knew that there was a good chance that he was putting his own life in danger. And presumably same for the bouncer. You know, they, they, they didn't know what this guy was really up to, and they put their own life at stake, which is, you know, that's, <laughs> that's a wonderful quality of Americans and uh, having been born and bred in New York, it's an especially a quality that New Yorkers have. So um, why then is it not a good idea for, because I know what you're thinking, <laughs> why am I saying that we shouldn't be calmed by these people who, um, by the authorities who were telling everyone uh, not to get excited um, that, uh, that, you know, that this isn't a terrorist attack right, right away, they said that, and why isn't that good? Well, because it feeds into giving us, lulling us into this false sense of security. Whereas um, we need to think that incidents, certain incidents that happen that, that are similar to previous terror attacks that we have known about, that we certainly, you know, you've watched it on TV, you've looked it up on the internet, you know you've been glued to these videos on the internet, especially now because everybody has, uh, takes a video if they're a bystander and, and they don't go to uh, uh, attack, to trap the, the perpetrator, um, they're taking videos. And um, yes, these things are very, uh, you know, cause us to, to look at them. I mean, people really do spend, spend probably more time than they should looking at these things, but it's, it's to make it seem real because a lot of the bystanders uh, also said, one of the common things that they said was this was so surreal. Because it's true, it's one thing when you see it on television or you see it on the internet. And it's another thing for it to be on your block and for you to be running away from it. So we do have to have, unfortunately, 2017, we do have to be aware that, um, uh, that this could be what's happening because we have to know to, um, to run away. We have to know to look, pick up the guy's shirt. We have to know to cover ourselves if we can run away to, uh, uh, you know, if there is going to be a bomb explosion, to be protected, not just to stand in the street further away, but to get, take shelter somewhere, uh, all these kinds of things. And we also need to know how to give first aid. More of us have to take first aid training, CPR chip training, and general first aid training, because that was another thing that the people in the street said. Um, I, you know, here there were people lying in front of me and they were injured, and I felt so bad, but I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to help them. Well, we need, this is another part of what these attacks mean. We need each of us to take some kind of lesson in first aid and CPR. And the Red Cross, all over, no matter where you live, there's a Red Cross, all over the world for that matter. And um, 
they generally, most of the Red Cross offices have courses that you can sign up for. I believe they are free or, or some minimal, minimal charge uh, to learn these things. So if you haven't done that and you're listening to this, then I suggest, and you feel bad about all the, the people who were um, killed and injured, uh, you know, and, and the ones who were injured and then who ultimately die, whereas they might have been able to be saved if someone had administered first aid before the ambulances got there. Um, that's what you need to do. And so the thing is, it, telling us that it's not terrorism before they really know um, not only lulls us into a false sense of security, it feeds our denial. We are folks in denial about just how uh, much under threat we are. And when there is an attack, we think about it. You know, there was recently the London attack. And so, oh, everybody's thinking about terrorism. And oh, isn't that terrible? And then, you know, <laughs> in a week, um, most people just kind of, well, first of all, it was in England. It wasn't in the United States. And so people just kind of get into this denial. Now, denial to some degree, there is a, a, a thing called healthy denial where, um, where, because we, our mind protects us in this way, because if we were thinking every single minute about terrorism, oh my God, oh my God, there's going to be an attack. Oh my God, I can't go out. I can't go to work. I can't bring my children to school. Oh my God, what am I going to do? You know, <laughs> um, we'd be all under our covers in bed and what kind of life would that be? So our mind protects us, in a sense, by having healthy denial so that some of the time we can forget about it or, you know, we don't really, really forget, but at least to put it in our pre-conscious mind, not our conscious mind. But it's really there all the time to some degree in our unconscious or pre-conscious mind. And um, instead of just looking at it as something to be frightened of, we need to look at it as something to... Uh, do something about to prepare. So, um, and the other thing is, <laughs> really, when it's when things turn out to to be like, let's say this does turn out to be a terrorist attack, okay? Which I still think is quite a possibility because of the way that um, he didn't put on the brakes. Um, he kept, he was, you know, continuing to mow down. Somebody said they thought he even accelerated, right? And he, I mean, like you could think, okay, what if he was high on pot, which is a whole other thing that we, you know, with all these states um, making pot legal. I mean, people aren't thinking about the impact that uh, driving under the influence of pot can have. I don't know that this guy really did smoke pot or that he had any other drug in his system. But regardless, um, if it turns out that, that his motive was terrorism, then what's going to happen? Then it tells us, uh-oh, if you hear an authority telling you that something is not a terrorist attack, you can't believe them. Because look at this attack in Times Square. It did turn out to be terrorism. That makes us really scared. So what authorities need to do is say, simply, it's really simple. They can say whatever it is that they know about the situation and just leave it at, right now, it is still too early, we are under investigation, and, um, and 
we're, you know, we'll, we'll let you know more information when we have it, rather than saying, no, this is not an attack. Now, um, I, you know, it's ironic because um, I actually wrote a, uh, a, a, t a tweet this morning. Let me see. Um, I tweeted that political, political infighting equals stressful for USA psyche. Take it down a notch. Real enemy equals terrorists, not each other. And then I wrote check out and I gave a link to my uh, Facebook page for the terrorist therapist. And then the next thing was, that was just uh, a few hours before the incident in Times Square. And then I wrote cars versus pedestrians, uh, Times Square and Staten Island, yet tell us equals DUI, not terror. Could be both, especially after Al-Qaeda threat. Then, um, then somebody, you know, I, I, it was, this was too quick to get a letter today to read to you, but, um, but I do have, I did get to, to those tweets. I got some, uh, some tweets back. Somebody said to me, named Bartleby, um, said, I guess medical school doesn't teach common sense. Staten Island is a car accident. Uh, and then I answered him, and then he wrote, right, right wing is so desperate for a terror attack on America, they just make them up. Here it goes again, into politics. Huh. Then he wrote, yes, a bunch of terrorists decided to pile onto the same vehicle on Staten Island and ram another car. You're a genius. Crack the case. Okay, then I wrote, <laughs> I, I wrote back to him, and then I also just did another tweet, and I wrote, Staten Island crash probably not terror, but Times Square still question mark, especially because no breaking. Authorities too quick to say not, not in capital letters, terror. So that was my point. You know, okay, the, I'm gl glad that this Staten Island attack, although it was still pretty awful, uh, wasn't terror, but the jury is still out on the Times Square one. And um, the point, as I've been saying, is that they shouldn't be so quick to say that it isn't terror. Well, um, <laughs> that's the end of today's show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. I'm here to help you by analyzing these kinds of things, putting them into perspective, calling spades spades, uh, not trying to frighten you, but trying to get you to wake up to do things to prepare yourself psychologically and physically and, um, and so that you're not so scared and, and so that you know what something really is when it is or when the, the information is there enough to know. Now, please go. You can find out more on my Facebook Terrorist Therapist page. As I was saying, just put in The Terrorist Therapist. You'll get to my Facebook Terrorist page and then go to my website which is uh, terroristtherapist.com, terroristtherapist.com. And on both of these pages, you can send me um, messages and send me questions. Tell me that you think that I'm full of it <laughs> or <laughs> tell me, ask me any kinds of questions that you would like me to help you with. So again, my name is Dr. Carol, the Terrorist Therapist, and you've been listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show.